It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hey, 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 welcome to the Fox Across America Game Ball Presentation Ceremony. It is a Labor Day edition of this process. I hope the holiday weekend is treating you well wherever this finds you. Myself, I'm back on Strong Island with Jenny and Lincoln living it up. Uh, But we will undoubtedly be talking about the interview you're about to listen to. Granted, we'll be probably talking with slurred speech and bloated bellies because that's all we do. Uh, But the fact remains, Nikki Haley had a great turn on the show this Thursday. She's been surging since the first GOP primary debate, donations through the roof. Trump's clearly the front runner. But as the general election draws closer and we start asking ourselves who gives the Republicans the best chance to win the general, you're going to hear a lot of talk about Nikki Haley. I'm not telling you she's going to be the nominee, but I am going to tell you she's a super sharp woman. She's got a very fun personality, but she can cut to the chase and spit facts. And as a woman, specifically a woman of minority descent, she does take away a key strategic lane for the Democrats, which is to call every Republican a racist and a sexist. So I was excited to have her on the show again, and uh, I was thrilled with a lot of the points she made along the way. Who knows? You might agree. You might disagree. The whole beauty of my show is you don't have to be on board with what I do, and you shouldn't be. Have you seen me lately, folks? My life choices are clearly not meant for everybody. I don't even know if they're right for me at this point. But Nikki Haley was perfectly okay for the show, and the game ball is hers. Come get it, girlfriend. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Jimmy, it's great to be with you again. I'll say, uh, are you in a Miley Cyrus mood? I mean, we thought you stole the show at the debate. My wife was fired. She was cheering for you. Jenny Fela, we're married 17 (laughs) years. She's not passionate about anything. I can't. Well, you know, I, it's interesting. Debates are great because they allow the American people to see what their options are. And you can not only just hear about the solutions and how they communicate, but you can see leadership. And yes, yes I do have the ability to be a wrecking ball when I um, see something that's wrong. And, you know, I, and I do also call out truths. I just think it's important that the American people know the truth and that you let the chips fall where they may. And I think that's what happened in the debate. Fair. Uh, do you think people underestimated you a little bit? Because I do. I did get the takeaway from, you know, in casual conversation that you really did sneak up on a lot of people. I've always been underestimated, literally in everything I've ever done. But it's mm-hmm. been a blessing. It's what makes me scrappy. I mean, you know, at the Iowa State Fair, I was wearing a T-shirt that said, underestimate me. That'll be fun <laughs> because I'd rather be underestimated and go and surprise people than anything else. So I'm fine with it because, you know, at the end of the day, we have a country to save and I'm going to keep getting my message out there and keep fighting for the things that I think the American people care about and, you know, make our points known. Yeah, well, I think more than anything, what people want is a substantive conversation. 
you know, there were, you know, moments that got personal during the debate, as they do when you've got 85 candidates on a stage. But I think it's the focus on substance that really matters the most. And one of the things where you really broke out was on the issue of abortion, because you were speaking to a reality that nobody in the party really does when you talk about the need to get 60 senators. Um, do you think you're uniquely positioned within the party to engage the Democrats on issues like abortion, which, to be honest with you, was a overwhelming factor in the midterms in ways I don't think the Republican Party anticipated? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think the fellas know how to talk about abortion, period. I think that at the end of the day, um, you know, I felt like people weren't telling the American people the truth. I am unapologetically pro-life, not because the party tells me to be, but because my husband was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children. But having said that, I'm not going to, you know, go and judge anyone for being pro-choice any more than I want them to judge me for being pro-life. And mm -hmm. what they have done is demonize this issue instead of telling the American people that the truth is we didn't need unelected justices deciding this. We wanted it in the hands of the people, which is what happened. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to a federal law is what they're talking about. In order to pass anything, you have to have a majority of the House, 60 mm -hmm. Senate votes and a signature by a president. And we haven't had 60 pro-life senators in over 100 years. So no Republican president could ban abortions any more than a Democrat president could ban those state laws. So instead of that, why don't we just come to a consensus on what we do agree on? And I do think that most Americans agree that we shouldn't have late-term abortions. I do think that most Americans think that we should encourage adoptions and good quality adoptions. I do think most Americans think that doctors and nurses who don't believe in abortion shouldn't have to perform them. I do believe Americans think that contraception should be accessible. And I do think that Americans believe none of the state laws should say if a woman has an abortion that she's going to go to jail or get the death penalty. You know, let's start there. Let's humanize this issue rather than demonizing this issue. No, I think that's a fantastic take. Nikki Haley is on the line. Uh, the only place where you and I would disagree on the pro-life movement is there's a phrase I hear a lot where people say every child is a gift. Now, i got to be honest. I've met some kids where I wish they <laughs> held on to the gift receipt. You know, uh, you know maybe stood in that exchange line. Okay, we don't need to get off message. I'm just sharing my personal sentiments. I don't need you I to mean, weigh listen, in on anyone as specific. Parents, we all know, as parents, we all know they can be a blessing, but sometimes they can be a tough blessing. So that's okay. <laughs> so every child's a gift, but sometimes you want to re-gift. You know what I'm saying? You just <laughs> put, a, put a bow back on this thing. Get it out of the house. Uh, let me throw this one at you because, you know, one of the things that I really think did stand out and set you apart was your willingness to speak blunt truths okay you got into a dust-up with Vivek a little bit over foreign policy but in the ensuing fallout he's obviously doing a lot of media right now does he sometimes come across like he's auditioning for a role in the Democratic squad because a lot of these takes on the Middle East sound like like AOC wrote them it's I mean literally we said that today I mean his take on Iran Literally, he would blend in great with the squad in the way that he wow. thinks about it. I mean, first of all, the idea that he wants to, you know, end a partnership with Israel is ludicrous. The fact that he thinks he can go and give Russia, you know, portions of Ukraine. I don't know how an American president can decide, you know, two other countries and what land is going to be given. But to say that he's going to do that and all of a sudden he'll then go to Russia and say, you can't be friends with China anymore I mean, that's just as naive as it gets. And then to say he'll give a portion of 
you know, or he'll turn Taiwan over to China once we get all the chip industry that we want. It's just, it's narcissistic to think that America doesn't need friends. We need friends. We need allies. And, you know, whether it's the Israel side, you know, it's not that Israel needs us. We need Israel. They're the front line of defense for Iran. We need Ukraine because they've shown themselves to be a strong military force. And, you know, we need them to defeat Russia. Otherwise, we're looking at a war. If if Putin does what he says he's going to do by going into Poland and the Baltics, we're trying to prevent war. When it comes to China and Taiwan, we have to remember that a win for Russia is a win for China. That's the reason we want to make sure that we, you know, make sure that Ukraine wins. Because if Ukraine wins, China won't go into Taiwan. So, look, I think he's incredibly naive in the way he talks about it. And I think it can be reckless when you throw things like that against the wall and think it's going to stick. And I, th- I think we have to be honest with the American people and tell them that our goal is to prevent war. And the way you prevent war is with strength. No, fair. We're talking to Nikki Haley, GOP candidate for the presidency of the United States of America. Do we know, because I haven't really heard it defined out of the Biden administration, what would constitute victory for America in Ukraine? I know we say prevent war, but are you saying we need to engage in more of it to get less of it? Like, what is the actual end game there? Well, first of all, I don't think we put cash on the ground in Ukraine. I don't think we need to put troops on the ground. I think we just make sure that they have the equipment and the ammunition to win. And, you know, you've had this narrative where people think, oh, well, you know, you can't secure the border if you're working with Ukraine. You do both. The amount of aid that we've given Ukraine is only three and a half percent of our defense budget. Percentage of GDP, 11 European countries have given more than the U.S. has. But our goal is this didn't have to happen. One, if Biden wouldn't have had the debacle in Afghanistan. Two, if he would have acted more quickly, this war would have already been over. Three, let's keep in mind that the war would be over if Russia got out today. It would all be over. But the way we do that is there have been missed opportunities. What should have happened? They missed it a couple of weeks ago. What should have happened is when NATO was meeting, they should have pushed to agree to give Ukraine an invitation to NATO. First of all, that wouldn't have required anything else of the U.S. We wouldn't have had to do any more. Secondly, it would have told Putin that, uh uh-oh, they are actually going to bring Ukraine in because Russia has never invaded a non-NATO country. They've invaded Georgia, Ukraine, and Moldova. None Mm -hmm. of those are NATO countries. Mm -hmm. So it would have told Putin he needs to get an exit strategy, but it also would have told Zelensky that there could be an exit strategy because he could have gone back and said, okay, we're now going to have the invitation and he would have looked for an exit strategy. So we missed that opportunity at that point too. And so our goal is we want this to end quickly, but we've got to figure out how to get Russia out. And quite honestly, Ukraine, their military has been fantastic. I mean, you look, they've eliminated 50% of Russia's defense system. They, you know, have hit rock bottom because they're getting drones from Iran and missiles from North Korea. They braised the draft age in Russia, get this, Jimmy, to 65. They're pretty desperate at this point. Are you telling me Russia doesn't have term limits either? They don't have term limits either, and they're taking people off the streets and handing them shovels. (laughs) 
this is crazy. I mean, Nikki Haley's on the line. You know, we had a very difficult moment yesterday with Mitch McConnell. Uh, we've seen a lot of these moments with Biden and certainly Dianne Feinstein, and we don't begrudge anybody the condition they happen to be in. But it's a really delicate needle you're trying to thread. And it's admirable, okay, because everyone agrees with you that we probably need either A, term limits or some type of cognitive test. Uh, how could you as a president go about coaxing people into getting on board with that? Well, I mean, first of all, it was sad to see what happened to Mitch yep. McConnell. I mean, no, no one celebrates that. Yep. But we have to deal again in another hard truth. The Senate is the most privileged nursing home in the country right now. And the problem is they're not, you know, we have to have term limits. I do think we have to have mental competency tests for anyone over the age of 75. I don't care if we do it over the age of 50, but these yeah. are people making decisions on our national security, making decisions on the future of our economy. And so in order to do that, what you do is I think we've got to do it from the outside in. You know, when it comes to term limits, I think anybody that runs Part of that platform is we need to make it very visible on whether they're going to sign a term limits pledge or not, and that includes incumbents. And with the mental competency test, these are something just like when they file to run, they can go and submit their mental competency test from their doctor. Doesn't mean they can or can't run, but it means yeah. that at least the voters would know how they do. And these are simple things. This is like, what town were you born in? Yeah. Or mention three words with the same letter. Or how many <laughs> grandchildren do you have? Yeah. You know, Biden oh. can't answer that. <laughs> oh, that's tricky. <laughs> it's like technically or how I acknowledge it. So what you're saying is <laughs> show me the Carfax. You want everybody to show the Carfax, which, by the way, Absolutely. would not only be what not only would it be good for politics, wouldn't it be good for dating if everybody you met at a bar had to give you the Carfax on everyone they dated and everything that went on? It'd save a lot of time, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't need any additional comment on that, but yes, brilliant. Uh, last one. Um, you've obviously been a huge supporter of Kamala Harris, and I know you just love everything she does. Uh, do she, <laughs> but isn't it so silly when the criticisms of her are reduced to race, knowing that she ran for president as a Democrat, was polling at 1% in her own party? So how is it that we're racist if we don't approve of the job she's doing, but Democrats had her at one percent in her home state and never got accused of that i mean jimmy they can't stand the fact that i'm telling the truth in the fact that a vote for joe biden is a vote for a president kamala harris that's just a fact everybody knows that republicans know that democrats know that so now the liberals are now saying i'm racist for saying that this has nothing to do with her gender. This has nothing to do with her race. This has everything to do with her incompetence. Mm -hmm. It should send a chill up every American spine to think of the fact that we could have a President Kamala Harris. She literally has failed at everything she has done in this, with this administration. And we're going to call it like we see it. It's important that people know that. And they don't want us to say it because they know how unpopular she is. Uh -huh. And they don't want us to say it because they know that we see Biden's in decline. But this is exactly why we have to win the general election. We can't afford to have Kamala as our president because we would lose our country. And I'm not going to allow that to happen. Yeah, yeah, good for you. There, are, sadly, there are no participation trophies on the world stage, you know. And no, I don't want to can't can't learn that the hard way. Uh, as as it pertains to the general election, and then we'll let you go. 
um, you know, one of the big challenges right now within the party is I feel like we have a good amount of people who can win the general election. Uh, but of course, the party leader right now, at least by the metric of the polls, is Donald Trump. Are you concerned? I know you've pledged to support the nominee no matter who it is, but are you concerned that Trump can't win the general given the legal baggage? I am concerned about that. I mean, look, Trump is a friend of mine, and I it was an honor to serve in his administration. And but and I do think that, you know, government has completely been weaponized against him. But the reality is that he's he said himself last week that he's not going to be able to campaign as much because he's going to be dealing with court cases. And at the end of the day, when you're looking at all that time he's going to be spending in court instead of on the campaign trail, Americans are going to see that and feel that. And it's going to be very hard for him to win a general election. He's one of the most disliked politicians in America. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is about making sure that we fix this. When I get in there, we will end the weaponization. We will make sure that they no longer, you know, are going after Republicans the way they are. But we have to win the election to make that happen. And the only way we win that election is to make sure that we um, really put someone there that can do that. The Biden uh, Biden strategist last week, it was in the press, said the one person we don't want to have to come out of the Republican um, primary to to have to run against in the general is Nikki Haley. And it's yep. because they know that we will beat them and they know that they can't call us racist. They know they can't say anything that's that they say to traditional Republicans, and that's why we're going to go and we're going to push it hard. And at the end of the day, I think we're going to win this primary. Listen, I, I, I love the fighting spirit, and you neglected to mention they're also scared of your playlist. You, re- you re- release pretty good playlists, do you not? Right, yes. They know my music <laughs> and they know my playlist, and they know that I like Pat Benatar's Hit Me With Your Best Shot, and they know that we'll fight. <laughs> well, be careful with that because they're going to think that's an endorsement of more vaccine mandates. So tiptoe around that one. <laughs> That is going to do it for the Fox Across America Game Ball presentation ceremony. We are airing a best of this Monday while we're out indulging and enjoying the Labor Day holiday, doing some back-to-school shopping with the Link Man. You will hear me back on your radios live Tuesday. Buckle up. This is not a drill. It's the real thing, and we'll see you then. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.